Welcome to Caffeinated Creators, the show where we talk about all things creative while consuming caffeine in criminally high quantities. I'm Patrick Gensel, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Ryan Price. Today, Ryan and I dive into decision paralysis as a maker, blame all our tax problems on software companies, and I try to explain to Ryan why everyday carry is so awesome. If that all sounds good to you, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy. Morning, Ryan. I trust you're sufficiently caffeinated. Yeah, I got my coffee ready to go. All right, that's the one cool, I like cool. to hear. So, um, how have you been? It's been a very long week. Very long. Do we want to unpack that, or is it just been a long week? Yeah, I mean, for anyone that's following me on Instagram, they saw me post about my youngest kid, just dealing with a lot of anxiety. She has not made it to school this week, so it's impacted both my job and my wife's job, and it's been a lot, so it's Friday. How about yourself? How are you doing? I can't complain. I'm still like muddling through, getting ready for holiday orders. I, this week, I've seen an uptick in sales in my, uh, in my e-commerce presence, and I've just been adjusting back to that life which will be uh, my life for the next six weeks, probably. Um, focusing, trying to get some a backlog of content created. I'm trying to work with more brands now, so I've been kind of just trying to get into a rhythm of creating fun content. That sounds like perfect oh, yeah. time. Yeah, it's, get, get all the extra work going during the holiday rush. Yeah, it's an awful <laughs> time to be doing it, but I am happy to be doing it. So I'll just, I'm just going to deal with it, I guess. Um, and then. I don't know, one of the biggest projects I'm working on, this is a less uh, priority project, but I'm trying to optimize my storage and my workspace in my shop. saw a video from Drew Wit- Whitworks recently where he created this really nice set of drawers using only plywood, no, um, no, extern- or no um, extra drawer hardware. It was all made from plywood and I really liked it. And I have a space in my shop that could really benefit from something like that. So I'm trying to take his idea and adapt it to my space. Right on. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, for sure. I always need more storage. It's on my weekend list is to build some more storage into my work truck so that I can put even more stuff in there to haul around in case a client says, Hey, while you're here, yep. can you do this? Yeah. Cause uh, if you say yes, that's more money. So. Yep. So Money. I know, um, I know a lot of people deal with this and I wanted to talk today about, um, decision paralysis and decision paralysis specifically that comes from taking on too much at one time as a maker and, um, in the fast paced world we live in, how it's easy to get overwhelmed and just take on too many things. And then it leads to, what do I work on? And, I don't know where to start type thing. So I don't know if that's something you have ever experienced or experienced on a daily basis. I know for me, it's getting worse and worse every week where I just struggle to get started um, on a particular project because I have so many projects and so many little to-do list items that it just, I end up spending half my day bouncing between tasks and never really getting much headway on any single one. Yeah, it's funny. I was doing a quote for a client last night and we were talking about to-do lists 
And I was like, yeah, I just keep adding to mine until it gets too long. And then I throw it out and start over. <laughs> that, that's been my methodology for dealing with that problem. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's definite strategies. I've definitely found some that work for me better than others over the last, I don't know, I want to say a couple of years, but with the pandemic, it's probably been like five years. Um, my biggest thing is when I can't decide what to do, I pick the low hanging fruit, <clears throat> something that I know I can, I know I can do. It might take five minutes. It might take five hours, but if I know that I can do it, then I'll get it done so that I feel motivated to move on to the next thing. One thing I've tried to start doing and I need to get better at it is I've always had the habit of putting on my to-do list the project as a whole zoomed out really far and I need to and I've been trying to break each thing down into smaller consumable chunks like chunks yeah. that I can I can crank through in 25 30 minutes versus an entire project as I normally would put it on my to-do list that's really a uh, month-long thing rather than something I can check off my to-do list in a day. Uh, yeah. I'm still not super good at it, but I'm getting better, and I think that's helping a little bit. But my biggest problem is I just I find that I'm, or I need to do things to eliminate distractions because I find myself working in my shop, and then I'll – send something to the 3d printer or send something to the laser and I'll walk over to get it and 10 things grab my attention on the way. And then an hour later, I'll realize that I went on a tangent from the original task that I started and, and I I've started three new things in that hour period. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think breaking down the tasks is definitely a good strategy. I know with my students for assignments in code, they struggle with that all the time. They they hit this paralysis. They're like, okay, here's my idea. I don't know how to make it. Like, I can't get it done. So years ago, I showed them a project that I was working on that was like really big. And I acknowledged I have no idea how to finish it. But I showed them how I broke it down into, okay, step one would be this. And then I can move on to the next thing. And I broke it down into individual tasks and showed them, like, I'm here. I started here, but I still got to get over here. And I haven't figured all of that out. But at least now I've got that momentum, right? Yeah, I think actually one thing you just made me think of, and I've heard this in the past, and it might be beneficial to do, is find your end result that you know you want and how you want it to be and then try and step backwards from that one step at a time so you can kind of lay out the whole process from from the end back to the beginning kind of reverse engineering it um easier said than done but i don't know that might be something i want to try actually now that i think about it yeah i think in general that's probably how i do it i mean i remember as a kid did you ever have that Fisher Price flashlight? I think it was like a big yellow yeah, lamp the blue, dial. And blue ring out at the front. Yeah. And it had the little dial. You could change the color lens on it yeah. to like blue, green, red. And like I used to, I think I went through three of those before 
my parents were like, okay, you're done. You can't have another. Because I would literally go down into my dad's workshop and dismantle the thing to see how it worked. And I could never figure out how to put it back together. Um, so I think I've always kind of tried to figure out, like, here's the end result. Let's back it up and see how to get there. Um, yeah, I mean, just diving into something can be really difficult at times, right? You gotta have some sense of a plan and that plan might change wildly. Um, I mean, no matter what you're doing, you might be here and realize that there's a better path or that there's a different approach or a different design or that what you're doing is completely wrong and a dumb idea to begin with. Um, sometimes dumb ideas are great. I mean, the packout that I built this week with uh, a giant lantern in it for my DeWalt batteries because I'm not a blocky cool. guy, like completely useless, but I love it. And I mean, I just waterproof the all the um sockets that i installed into it last night so i mean still going and i know it's i'll probably never even use it but it's super but, cool yeah thanks did you learn anything on the project um anything new that's always there's always some value in that i mean i learned that i'm better at electronics when i practice it was a lot easier this time than the last time I did stuff. Um, and I learned that I really like the Wago connectors. I don't know if you've seen those. No. They're like spring-loaded. Instead of using those old Moret Gromit-style twist-on wire things, these are like, they have their little spring-loaded dealies, and you just stick the wire in and it clamps down oh, on okay. it. Yeah, I've seen and that. it'll hold a wire... The ones I have go anywhere from, I think it's 22 gauge down to 12 gauge. So that's great, especially for this, because I have three different wire sizes in this project because of the wires that came on the various pieces. Gotcha. So it just makes life so good. And when you screw up and you're like, oh, I wired that wrong. I wired everything one way and realized I could do it a better way. I mean, both worked, just one was worked better. So I just like boop, 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 unclicked them all and clipped them all back together and sent me back to Amazon to buy another 50 of these connectors because I used all my free samples from the company. And I was like, I need more. And that's how they hook you. Yeah. I don't think they, I, I almost thought about calling the rep and being like, can you send some more? I need to try more of these. But then I realized I probably wouldn't get too far with that. They're probably fairly inexpensive, I guess, too. Um, What was I going to say? See, there's the whole uh, ADHD mind going blank yeah. now. And that's why we end up bouncing from thing to thing yeah. to thing then you have a desktop or a workbench full of projects that are all partially started but none are completed right that is my entire workspace the only thing and i, I realized this recently i hate doing commission projects for people like one-off commissions because i don't usually have like a um an accountability mechanism in that. So I keep kicking them down the timeline further and further and six months go by and the client's like, uh, where's that thing that we talked about? I'm like, Oh, I'll start that tomorrow. Um, 
Whereas stuff through like Etsy or my website, there is a deadline order generated by the system that I know I have to get out for uh, by a certain point. I'm almost never late on any of my Etsy orders or any of my website orders on projects that if there was no accountability mechanism like that order being generated would take me two weeks and I can crank them out in a day. I don't know what it is about having that accountability mechanism that's literally just a artificial thing being generated that makes my brain go, I need to get this done. But like if somebody, if, if I have a friend, I've had multiple friends, I have multiple projects in the works now for friends who they're simple projects and I just keep kicking them down the curb um, and not getting them done. Whereas if I just started telling them, hey, order this through my website, they'd probably get their thing a lot quicker. Yeah, I mean, well, you're also getting paid at that point, right? True, <laughs> true. Uh, I, I mean, I think we all do it. We have, we know we have time for things and we can compartmentalize that time, right? Yeah. So if we know that something's going to take an hour, okay, well, we have that hour, but I can use that hour now for something else. Yep. Whereas when there's a deadline, it's like, okay, I've got an hour to do this, but I need an hour still for that. And eventually that time becomes so finite. You're like, well, if I don't do it now, I'm going to miss that good. deadline, yeah. right? Yeah. Like with clients, if I show up at their house, I get the job done and I know how much time it's going to take on average. Sometimes I finish early, sometimes I finish late, but they're all scheduled in. Whereas I have one client who fortunately is a friend, they want a coat rack installed. So I bought the barn board to match stuff that they have already got in their house. I bought all the hooks. I did the measurements. That was six months ago and all the pieces are literally sitting 10 feet from me right now waiting for me to go and install it like all i have to do is spend another half hour of time to go to their house and put it up yeah and then i get paid like i've already spent the money but i'm sitting here going eh, i can do that not a i can do that and later. anytime that i'm like well i have work to do in the workshop to prep for the job I leave it until the last minute or forget about it completely. And then I'm like scrambling on weekends to make up for it. So having that schedule and that deadline, I think, I mean, is definitely helpful for people, right? Yeah, I have a, I have a, a dice tray that I've been working on for somebody that they're, they're an acquaintance of mine. And I literally have to cut one piece of wood and two pieces of leather to line it and I can finish it and collect $250. But I keep going, eh, I'll do that next week. Cause I know it's not a huge time priority for the person, but I also know that they want it as well. But that's why I don't take commissions very often because, uh, I'll finish it for 250 bucks. I mean, it's a lot of work that's left. Get it done, man. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's (laughs) the problem. I, there's always other things grabbing my attention that I'd rather be doing. So yeah, that, that's been my, like my big struggle over the last couple of months is just finding a way to actually action or execute on small things without getting distracted by other things. Yeah. Ultimately, I get most of the things done that's just really inefficient the way I go about it. 
I mean, there's lots of strategies. Uh, I So not only do I pick the low-hanging fruit so that I can kind of get on a roll, um, I'll often also just like schedule the the project in my head. It's like, sometimes it's like, okay, I don't have time to get this done. So I'll just, I'm not going to do it, right? Yeah. But if I go back and break it down into tasks, then I at night I can go down into the workshop and be like, okay, I know I've got half an hour. I can get this much of it done. And I just kind of break it down into those chunks mentally just so that I can start to make progress on it. Um, and when that doesn't work, there's always <clears throat> the incentive of reward, right? Like, yeah. Right, if I just go and file my taxes, you won't go uh, to jail. Have to after this. Like, the beer cannot be consumed until this stupid menial thing is done. And then I'll be like, yeah, I don't need a beer tonight. That's okay. See, in the U.S., the incentive for doing your taxes is not going to jail. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can go to jail, but I mean, usually you either owe so little or they owe you. So, And when they owe you, they do not care if you file. Like, oh, yeah, they absolutely. Won't, they won't even like send you a reminder. Um, well, yeah, they want to keep that money if yeah. they can. Select some interest on it. Yeah. Like other than North America – most countries in the world, 80% of the population doesn't even file taxes because they just go to work and collect their, like, their whatever. It's a T4 here, but I know you guys have some other thing. Um, but, like, the government just says, okay, you owe us this much or we owe you this much, and you don't have to process any paperwork. It's only North America. Well, yeah, and, or, and I know... I know a big part of it is, and and you guys are part of the problem because uh, the the, uh, yeah, the he yeah. in, into it into it I think is based in Canada. Um, yeah. It makes QuickBooks, and I gotta believe they're they're lobbying to keep making oh, taxes yeah. a taxes as vague as possible. That's my tinfoil hat conspiracy there. No, it's not a conspiracy. It's actually like there there is fact at least in Canada and. I, there's no way it's different down there, but um, TurboTax, Intuit, QuickBooks, like those are all the same company. They want they taxes to be as difficult lobbying as possible. government. They want taxes to be as dif difficult as possible yeah. because that's their software is, uh, is irrelevant if taxes are easy. Well, I mean, let's face it. For most people, taxes are straightforward. Yeah. But even when I didn't have my own business, I would use their online system and it cost me like 40 bucks for me and 40 bucks for my wife and it got it done and I got some money back. But like I would always spend that money. So if every single person, is, even if half the country is doing that, they're raking the money, yeah. right? And if the but government yeah, just... Definitely. And if the government, either Canadian or U.S., just goes at the end of the year, you owe us this or we owe you that, then there's no need for that service and those companies disappear. I, I've considered just sending in my taxes with zero at the end. And just seeing what happens. Not even fill it in, just write a zero at the bottom and see what comes back to me. Uh, did, you, did, you, did you forget something? We think you forgot something. <laughs> you just get a, like uno reverso card back yeah please pay again 
So we see see this kind of plays into what we've been talking about about uh, going off on tangents. We just ended up in a uh, um, tinfoil hat wearing um, TurboTax uh, conspiracy theory that is. Yeah, but see, proven. it's really just one of those things that I'm trying to avoid on my to do list. Uh, I need to get caught up on tax paperwork. Like there's no tomorrow. That's something. Every year I say I'm going to do better job at bookkeeping so that I don't have to spend an entire week in March every year going through my financial records to see what I spent and what I what I made. Um, and if I just kept track of that throughout the year, it'd be a lot quicker. But I keep putting that off. It's been on my to-do list for the last three years I've been in business. I've been just taking all the receipts and putting them into one big pile. Yeah. Um, and moving forward, what I need to do is separate the piles into Home Depot and everything else. <laughs> Home Depot keeps track of all of yeah. the purchases for yeah, me. And it's definitely the lion's share of my expenditures as a handyman. Like I just looked at it the other day on my pro account. And in the last 12 months, I've spent over twenty thousand dollars with them wow so it's like most of that most of my business purchases are either gas or home depot so yeah. i need a gas pile a home yeah. depot pile and then a tiny little pile for new tools I, I need to just get better at using the technology that is given to us in this modern world and use one of those apps that you just photograph the receipt and it uses ocr to turn yeah. it into a spreadsheet but i it's another thing i put off that would make my life easier if I actually executed. I'm just so damn cheap. I don't want to spend more money. Well, a lot of them, there's a lot of free ones. I've used them in the past. I just need to get better at, at actually using them repeatedly. Cause it's one of those things you either use it all the time or don't use it at all. Because if you don't use it all the time, then you're still going to have to spend some time to compile in what you didn't document with what you've recorded with that, an app like that. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, and that's one of my big problems with so many different tools to make my life easier is I just need to get consistent at using them. I've been using a piece of software called uh, Notion um, to track all my um, all my notes and whatnot. And I've actually been getting pretty consistent about it, and it's been helping a lot, but I just need to get better about it. So um, I guess like we uh, like to end it, what have you been uh, playing with or obsessing with lately? Um, right now, I'm trying to hack together a bunch of bits and pieces of camera gear and so on to try and make a phone mount for my wife's car, because even if she doesn't use it, I know I will when I'm driving, <laughs> and I like to have my phone up there so I can see the map nice and clear, and I don't want to spend money on it, so I've got all these pieces lying around. And like, I think I can make something and we'll see how that goes. You are a maker. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I got, we do I got epoxy. Things. I can just glue something to the dashboard, right? There you go. If you'd actually <laughs> get off your butt and fix that 3d printer, you'd probably make it even easier. Oh my God. So I just, just to get some points here. I tried. I don't know. It, it keeps throwing errors. I have, a new course of action that I'm going to try hopefully tonight or tomorrow. 
And if that doesn't work, I'm just going to start putting all my loose change in a jar until I can afford a, a new one. X1. Yeah. Well, if you can't figure it out tonight, we'll have to get on a call and, and kind of tr- and try and troubleshoot it. I think it's the new hard springs that I installed. They've caused me nothing but grief. Uh, and they're just compounding problems right now. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, we'll figure it out. Or like you said, just start throwing change in a jar and get an X1. What are you working on? So just 3D printing like usual. Like I said, the storage stuff. The biggest thing that I'm currently obsessed with, though, is knives in general, as you know. But this is my new uh, Flytanium Arcade knife. Uh, super cool. It's all, it's all metal and feels heavy and fancy in my hand. And I'm in love with it. It's got this thing called the Shark Lock, which is a – that sounds satisfying – it's a, it's a, like a, a shark fin style thing on the back of the knife that when you pull it, it releases the lock on the blade and you can actually just use gravity to flip it open or gravity to let it close. So I've been really obsessed with playing with that. Um, for those who know me, I'm, I'm in love with knives. So any kind of different knife that has a different opening mechanism usually fascinates me. So this, this is a question that I need to ask because I am not a knife guy. I mean, I've always had a Swiss army knife. I've had a Leatherman for 30 plus years. What, so that knife that you had is just a basic flip lock kind of knife, right? Now I get, it's got a different mechanism that than most other knives of that style. But once you have like, two or three knives with the different mechanisms, what makes the fourth, fifth, twelfth knife different for you? Like what what drives your need to have those knives? Um, and I, I'm not asking this be, to be facetious. I just generally yeah, don't, curious. I, I don't get it because I'm not that guy. So for me, it is different. So different si- style scales, different color scales, uh, different blade shapes. Do you pick a knife based off of like your wardrobe for that day? Like when you say different styles and colors of scales, like, or like, are you, do you just feel like a different knife one day because it catches your eye and you're like a little bit of that. And I lose things really easily. And I find that if I'm picking a different knife every day, I for somehow don't lose them when it's different. Uh, So there's that, um, I always have, as a maker, there's always random bits and bobs in my pockets. Knives, um, lighters, pens. Um, I carry a, a, um, a microfiber handkerchief for cleaning my glasses or my phone screen. So when you, when you ask, do I coordinate with my outfit with knives? Not really, but I do coordinate sometimes the things in my pockets. So like, I'm really into the top- topography map theme. So I have a, a microfiber handkerchief that has a topo map on it. I've got um, I've got a little knife cleaning tray or maintenance tray that I've made that's got a topo map on it. I've got a a knife with topo map scales on it. So it, it's it's different themes like that I enjoy doing. It's it's kind of just like a an excuse to collect something, I guess, and organize things. And and I I'm very fidgety, so having a knife or different um, little things in my pocket is just when I'm sitting around doing nothing, it's just something for me to fidget with. Yeah. I mean, I hate having things in my pocket. Like, Oh, I love it. 
even a receipt will start to irritate me. So I just don't get that at all. Yeah. So you are not a candidate for the hobby of everyday carry. I mean, but I want to be, I want to be that guy that has like, has cool stuff in their pockets. So I like to have a pocket nearby. So like my computer bag has mini Gerber multi-tool with pliers. There's a flashlight in there. There's like wipes to clean a screen. There's like every pen that you could imagine. Like it's all set. But it doesn't go in my pants pocket because it would drive me crazy. And that's the cool thing about this kind of thing is it doesn't have to be in your pockets. It can be close by in something that you carry with you. Your van is capable of being an everyday carry thing because you have stuff in there that you use every day. So it's just it's just a I love the concept of a merce. I'm just not cool enough to carry one. Yeah, I, I have a little zipper pouch that goes in my pocket and that's as far as I go with that concept. I'm working right now on a maker pouch. So I've, I was bugging Michael Alm um, a couple weeks ago about what he has in his little um, clip on pouch yeah. from Rockler and Ethan Carter is going to help me um, refine some of the, the details in this pouch. And then I'm going to have like, full plans for it so you can just print them out and cut the templates and it'll be just customizable enough but also out of the way enough that it's like minimal on you on your hip um so i'm really looking forward to making some good progress on that little project awesome i'm looking forward to seeing that it'll, it'll be the maker merce the maker merce. i like That's that maker merce all right, well, I think uh, we've blabbed in everybody's ears enough for one day. Uh, let's call it a day. I hope you have a great Friday and a great weekend. Ditto. Have a good one. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.